Welcome to the Book Talk Podcast, produced by the Better Living Institute and sponsored by AppJudo for your software needs, BulletPad for building lists on your iPad, and also sponsored by donations from our listeners, folks like you. We're Kira and Bill Van Ittersom, and today we're going to be discussing The Abundance Book by John Randolph Price, published by Hay House out of Carlsbad, California, and it has a copyright of 1996. Now, John Randolph Price originally published this in 1987, and I just happened to hear an interview this afternoon when I was doing some further research that when he was eight years old, he told his mom that he was going to be a writer someday. And her response was, oh, wow, that's so cool. That's wonderful. I really think that's a great goal. So he laughed and said that it took him 40 years to achieve his dream. So when he was 48, he published his first book. I don't really know if this was his very first book, but perhaps it was. And it is a wonderful book. It's a tiny little book. And he says in the introduction, you can keep it in your breast pocket or in the pocket of your suit jacket stowed away in your purse if you have one so that you can refer to it easily and it is really quite a wonderful book we are going to touch on some of the high points especially in the beginning from the introduction on and some of the parts that i might feel are the most important we're going to leave you to research those for your own hopefully you'll decide to buy the book for yourself or perhaps find it in the library but it is a wonderful book to own And these days, you can get it very, very inexpensively on Amazon. I love these kind of little books. (laughs) I I love the fact that they're small and they address a particular subject and just sort of cover it thoroughly. Then you can have it as a resource. It's really great. John Randolph Price covers abundance in all different forms, not only just money, but abundance of love and abundance of compassion and abundance of all the good things in life that go together to make a whole person. But his first main point is that scarcity is an illusion, and the real true reality is total unlimited wealth. The energy of abundance is constantly radiating from the source within and flowing outward to appear as money and financial well-being and all the other good things is an effect It is the outpouring or the outshowing of this inner force. And it's interesting, he says the source within, indicating that all of us have this source within us, that we're all connected to this limitless potential. We are descendants of the God within, that we, because of our inheritance, actually own this ability to let the flow of energy outpour from us, from within. And that gets to be the tricky part. And so later in the book, he does have an exercise called the 40-day plan, which we'll get to and cover it in a little bit of an outline form. But he does show how you can go about doing this. Because I've heard this message many times before, and Kira and I have studied this message as well. But sometimes hearing it and studying it is not the same thing as actually having a plan to put it into work. (laughs) And there are so many different ways. That's one of the reasons, you know, we have this website of creating health, wealth, and happiness in the world, because there are so many different ways of looking at this and so many different, just every little tidbit is another extra little piece of the puzzle, so to speak. 
some people will understand it differently as it's put forth from different people. So this is one of the reasons that we cover so many different books about abundance. And you mentioned before that this flow comes from within. And we said that it can come out in many different ways. It can appear in the world in many different ways. And money is just one of those ways. That's right. And actually, he does want to make sure to point out that what one has done, all can do. So just the fact that we are human beings, and every single human being individually owns by inheritance this ability to work with the God power within. And so therefore, we have the ability to change our consciousness. And that's really what he's suggesting here. He says that lack is a mistake of inner consciousness, because if you have lack in your life, you're outpouring a false belief, or you are expanding a false belief. So why not learn how to expand an affluent belief? I mean, if you're going to have something, let's shoot for the bigger stuff. And he does point out why some of us, because of past training, you know, money is terrible. People that have money are mean and nasty and all kinds of other images that we create. We also build these into our outpouring. We stop ourselves. We actually limit the ability for the flow to happen because of some of these limiting ideas. Right. And these things, because they are habituated from the time we're young, they do become a part of our subconscious. And we're not really aware that we're even thinking these things. I remember one day I was at a seminar and the fellow conducting it had a glass and he had inside the glass, half of it was full of all this yucky stuff. And he said, you know, if you keep pouring water, clear, fresh water in here, eventually all the yucky stuff will get so mixed up with the water. And then eventually the water begins to sort of just take the place of the yucky stuff. So we want to start putting positive thoughts into our subconscious and replacing those negative ones. And the more emphasis we put on the positive, the less there will be the negative. <laughs> And because we're all individuals, each plan has to be individualized. So that means that we have to have something for ourselves. He does have, as I said, this 40-day prosperity plan, but we each have to practice it of and to ourselves. Even a married couple, and they're going to do it together. Karen and I are doing it together. But we have to do it individually while we're doing it together. He does also suggest that as one person awakens, you actually affect the whole. So every single individual person who awakens or who gets to the level where they begin to manifest the positive and manifest the abundance that is their natural inheritance, they then become a beacon for all of the rest. When we all begin to become aware of the fact that we are this loving presence, that it really is, it emanates from us because it's what we really are. And the more we begin to understand that and have that readily as our part of consciousness, then we do begin to have no limitations because we recognize that we really are this loving vibration. We really are this limitless vibration that emanates throughout the universe. You might have heard some of this information called ancient wisdom or ancient wisdom of the ages. John Price suggests that that term, ancient wisdom, is now becoming known in the modern sense as spiritual metaphysics. If you understand yourself truly, you will understand God. And through meditation, you can release this divine energy from within you. So you can change discord into harmony. You can change ignorance into wisdom 
fear into love and you can change lack into abundance. That's quite a wonderful promise. Exactly. He's mentioning that through meditation and through contemplation and envisioning, working on these practices, as Bill just said, that we do begin to conceive the highest and noblest ideas as the vision for manifestation. We begin to start envisioning that which is good for the whole. That is, I think, what he means by noble visions and noble ideas. There's kind of a radiating or even a magnetic force that's happening. And if you channel that from within, it's a lot like what the quantum physics people are talking about. How atoms work and the energy of atoms and the fact that there is no solid thing that isn't spinning energy, that isn't a series of atoms, billions of atoms that are moving and spinning and have made up that solid form. When we see a solid form on the earth plane, it's really an illusion because it's spinning energy. So it's the same energy flow that he's talking about harnessing from the inner realm that then becomes solid form or a symbol of that energy. So he wants to differentiate between what is in the outer, which is solid, which is a symbol of that energy and the energy itself. And he wants everyone to concentrate on manifesting the energy and let the solid take care of itself when it gets onto the three-dimensional plane. And he seems to indicate that the best way to do that is meditation, that it's a way of using your mind and, and your emotions to actually begin embodying this love and this gentleness and this peace, which is the state that we need to be in to more readily access that limitless potential. He shares some prosperity messages from the Bible. He does mention that there was many parts of this individualized prosperity message that Jesus was, in fact, teaching to his disciples when it was still in even the scroll forms. Things like Jesus saying, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. And that's from 3 John verses 1 and 2. It's from Malachi. 3.10. Prove me now herewith that the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. He also says the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. And that's from Proverbs 10.22. And that's really cool because we have this thought, many of us, that Riches bring pain. This Proverbs 10.22 points out that God will give you this riches without the sorrow that you feel is coming with it. We forget that the worship of money is what is the difficulty, not the money. Money is a supply, like air. We don't have disdain for the air. We don't have disdain for the water that we drink. So to learn to not have disdain for the money is a very important part. It's the worship of money that's the real negative here. And the reality is that here in this life, we need water to live. We need air to breathe in order to live. We need money in order to live as well. 
We know what it's like to look upon really poverty-stricken people. I mean, we see all those pictures that go across the screen about the poor Africans who are starving to death. Yes, it's poverty. That's poverty that's creating that situation. So riches are not a bad thing. Riches very much have to do with our vitality here on the earth plane. Remembering that money is a tool the same as air and water. From Matthew twenty-one twenty-two, all things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe that ye have received them, and ye shall have them. When you wake up in the morning, you believe that you're going to take your next breath, that it's there. And when you go to the faucet and turn it on and get a drink of water, you know that it's there. And you believe it, and it is there. Actually, Ralph Waldo Emerson said that man was born to be rich or grows rich by the use of his faculties, by the union of thought with nature. And in this regard, I think nature really does mean that God force. That God force flows effortlessly through nature. Nature has no opposing thought. It just accepts what is flowing readily from the Creator. Mr. Price quotes Charles Fillmore, who with his wife founded the Unity Religion And Mr. Fillmore says, what we need to realize above all else is that God has provided for the most minute needs of our daily life, and that if we lack anything, it is because we have not used our mind in making the right contact with the supermind and the cosmic ray that automatically flows from it. And of course, he means from within, because it is within each of us. Annie Ricks Millets from Both Riches and Honor, which is another Unity book, said that worldly riches have been feared, despised, condemned, and even hated by spiritual aspirants because of ignorance of how to be in them and yet not of them, how to possess them and not be possessed by them. So doubtless this attitude of repudiating and ignoring wealth is less deceiving than the other error, greed, and worship of money and the fear of losing riches. But the really wise avoid both attitudes through knowing worldly wealth to be but a reflection of the real, the spiritual riches that must be sought first, last, and always. Having found the riches of heaven, you cannot escape the riches of earth unless you purposely repudiate them. And that's such a great quote. It has made me want to actually own that book too and read it and get into her head a little bit more. I know this has been a common feature in my life. It was primarily from my mom's teaching, not my dad's, that rich people are harmful and to be rich is to cheat people to get it. And it's a negative thing to have so much money. And it was such a hard thing to overcome. And so in many, many ways, I have repudiated (laughs) this gift for a whole lot of my life. It has been a consternation. Because on the one hand, I feel like I'm being spiritual and I feel like things should be different. And on the other hand, they're not different. And I just have not been able to figure out why. So finally coming upon books like John Randolph's Price, The Abundance Book, has opened my eyes to what I've actually been doing, holding so many negative thoughts. My kids tease me because they have moved beyond my feelings of lack and limitation and this repudiation of riches. (laughs) And they often have asked me, Dad, for crying out loud, what are you really asking for? 
why are you so negative? And why do you make all these really negative comments about wealthy people? To be, as she said, in it, but not of it. To possess it and not be possessed by it. And I think that is the ideal. If we have that kind of love in which we look at every person as if they are equal, not above or below us, then we want the best for them. We want them to have those great riches. We don't want to have all the riches and keep them away from others. Riches are not what make us worthwhile. It's who we are that makes us worthwhile. Now, one of the points that John Randall Price makes is your state of mind while you're working through these exercises. As you have loving thoughts and as you have harmony, he suggests a quote from Emmett Fox, who was a renowned New Thought teacher and lived around the early part of the 1900s. Emmett Fox says, Refuse to tolerate anything less than harmony. He goes on to say, You can have prosperity no matter what your present circumstances may be. Man has dominion over all things when he knows the law of being and obeys it. The law gives you power to attain prosperity and position without infringing the rights and opportunities of anyone else in the world. So not only is Emma Fox saying to live in harmony, but he's saying there's plenty to go around. That even though we look at the world as being a finite place and somewhat limited, there are many people saying that we shouldn't do this or we shouldn't use too much of that or Americans in general are using too much of the resources of the world. But we have no idea how God will open things up when we just need them and that we can have all of this prosperity without infringing on anyone's rights, including even the third world countries that Kara was talking about earlier. Yes, if we all knew how to manifest readily, there would be no concern about lack at all. We would just be manifesting in and sharing it to the greatest of our ability. Ernest Holmes says from the science of mind that prosperity is an outpouring of substance in our affairs. Everything in the universe is for us and nothing is against us. Life is ever giving of itself, and we must receive, utilize, and extend the gift. Success and prosperity are spiritual attributes belonging to all people, but not necessarily used by all people. We need to take a break for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our program is sponsored by AppJudo, your complete web and mobile application development service. The Japanese word judo means the gentle way. The martial art of judo got this name because it signifies maximum efficiency and mutual welfare and benefit. App Judo follows these same principles in all its software development projects using the best technologies and computer science principles to serve clients' needs elegantly and intelligently. App Judo prides itself on building attractive and intuitive user interfaces that your customers will easily understand and love to use. Whether you want to design and build a new app or refactor and redesign an existing app, App Judo can help make your project a success. Visit App Judo today at www.appjudo.com. So John Randolph Price explores a little deeper into what he calls the truth and the law. We have said in some of these quotes so far, the law, and we have talked about the law and obeying the law. 
And he's talking about how the inner world works and how the unfolding of the spirituality or the radiation of energy is, in fact, a law, like the law of gravity or the law of energy transfer. So he suggests that your outer world of form and experience is merely a reflection of your inner world of thoughts and feelings, as above, so below, as within, so without. That is the law. He says, the greater your awareness of the presence of God within you as an individual, the more that that presence fills your consciousness. That is the law. And that goes exactly back to what Kira talked about just a little bit earlier, of the glass of dirty water that if you hold it under a tap or a pitcher that you're pouring into and let the water spill out, that eventually that dirty water will be replaced by totally clean, pure water. It'll take a while, but eventually it will happen. Yeah, each of us can become a pure vessel for that spirit within and allow it to just flow outwardly into our lives. He suggests that the deeper your understanding of spirit as the source, as the substance, and as the activity of your supply, the more permanently that truth will be etched into your consciousness. That also is the law. And it's your spiritual consciousness, your knowledge of the presence of God within you as total and complete fulfillment that interprets itself as every former experience in your world. And that is the law. He talks about the nature of source and supply, kind of what exactly can we call this energy? How do we recognize it? And so he says that what you see, hear, taste, touch, and smell are your own beliefs objectified or made real or made solid. The form and experience are but effects. They're appearances. What appears as an effect has actually no value in itself. And the only attributes that an effect has are the ones that you yourself give to it. So money is an effect. Money is not the being. Money is only the end result. And that's where so many of us get mixed up. I have thought many times in my life, this money is in my wallet. It's got certain denominations on these certain little paper things that I have. These coin things have certain denominations, and it's real. And it goes into my bank account, or it doesn't, or it goes out faster than it goes in. And I put all of these spins on the outflow of money, on the symbol that money is, and not on the actual cause, that which is actually the energy that, in fact, is the money in effect. You know, how many times have you had things show up in your life that had nothing at all to do with the money that you had in your pocket? (laughs) I've had houses show up in my life and cars that I drive, all kinds of other nice little treasures too that I did not expend any money on. They just showed up in my life and it was a miracle I didn't even know how they showed up. It is just a matter of being open and trusting that there is this force and that that force is always working for your good, because it is. It really is. When you concentrate on the effect, like concentrating on the money, or as I said, going out of your bank account faster than it's coming in, you actually are forgetting the cause. 
And as you forget the cause, that whole effect, the money that is going out of your bank account, becomes a reality. It actually begins to diminish in your life. So when you focus your attention on getting money, you actually are shutting off your supply or pushing money further away from you, negating money. You have to concentrate on the energy flow, on the cause. Money does not really exist, but God does. So money is an effect. When I say it doesn't exist, people listen to this and think, oh my God, you're crazy. What do I use to go buy gasoline? What do I use to pay for the food at the restaurant, if not the money? And that's true. It is an effect in the outer world, but it's real understanding is that it's energy from God. The supply flow is uninterrupted, and it's perfect and abundant in its manifestation if we look first to God and only secondly at the money. And how do you look first to God? By placing the awareness of God first in your mind and the needs that you have basically second. You have this feeling of love and feeling of expectation and feeling of abundance in your consciousness. And it begins to flow. I think this really is why you just become sort of perpetually grateful. Because once you recognize that God is flowing in your life, once you recognize that you have this flow going on in your life, you can be nothing but grateful because it's just always there, just like the air that we breathe and the sunshine that shines upon us. I mean, we are just so blessed. And I mean, truly, in the sense of being blessed to have this life that we have and to know that God is always with us. This power is always there, fulfilling our needs. John Randolph Price does mention that there is a difference between instant creation or instant manifestation, especially when you're learning to manifest things from the inner worlds and working through in the outer world to receive your supply. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Snapping your fingers with an abracadabra feeling as I speak, so it is created, is in fact possible. And there have been humans that have been able to accomplish this. Jesus himself was able to manifest things out of seemingly nothingness, changing the water into wine and the finest wine too, feeding 5,000 people on the mountainside with two fish and five loaves of bread. I mean, it's amazing, right? It does happen. But between that level of understanding of how the inner energy is manifested into material, when you're first starting out, you actually work through other people. So your initial actions may be to get a simple job while you're working on changing your mind. This could be very simple, like sweeping a floor, working at a counter in a retail establishment and growing from there. So we're not saying that you sit on your couch, continue to watch TV, and have this great thoughts in your mind, and then all of a sudden you pick up your checkbook and it's like, wow, it's changed overnight. Wow, Bill, Kira, thanks so much. I love this. Because in the beginning, you're learning to manifest, but don't forget that you're manifesting through what you are doing to serve others throughout this whole human plane. As you serve enough people, your circumstances will change and change in a major hurry. 
And what am I saying? Well, in some cases, you might be directed to start a new business. In some cases, you might be directed to write a book. You might be directed to sing a song. You might be directed to do any number of things that because you're giving either enjoyment or education or support to another person, they will in turn share their riches with you and your situation will change and so will theirs. I think it's a matter of stirring your own energy, doing whatever it is that you know you can do to be useful in the world. And when you start doing that, energy starts happening. Energy just starts flowing. You kind of have to prime the pump a little bit sometimes. At least that's the way it's been in my life. So he talks about the new definition for money, that money is by its very essence, when properly expressed, returns as an all-sufficiency of legal tender to be used in exchange for goods and services. He built his own acronym for money, M-O-N-E-Y, as My Own Natural Energy Yield. Is money. Perfect. I like that. We're going to take a break here for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our podcast is sponsored by BulletPad, the fun and intuitive app for writing outlines and organizing your thoughts on your iPad. With BulletPad, you can quickly create a hierarchical list of bullet points, giving structure to your great ideas. BulletPad is a great tool for writers and thinkers, featuring a simple but powerful toolbar above the keyboard to help you navigate your text with arrow keys and to change the indent of your bullet points. Use drag and drop to move your bullet points anywhere in the list. Use the zoom in feature to drill down on any section of your list or use zoom out to get the big picture view. BulletPad is available now for free. Just go to the App Store on your iPad and search for bullet pad. He says it takes 40 days. And that's why he gives us this 40-day prosperity plan. He says it takes 40 days for consciousness to realize a truth. We've heard about the 21 days for creating a new habit and all of this. 40 days, he says. And he says if you miss even one day when you're doing this 40-day prosperity plan, that you have to go back and start all over again. So it's very critical that you do this plan every single day for 40 days. You release all of your energy that you're building up on any day that you skip between day one and day 40. So that's why he tells you to go back and start over again. And many people do. I was reading some letters that he published in the book, response letters from people that had done the plan And some of the letters that he published were people that took them several tries to get to the point where they could actually finish the full 40 days. Right. Well, think of it this way, just to give you a little picture of maybe what he's talking about. So we're talking about the glass that had the yucky stuff in it, and you're pouring water into it. Every single day, you're pouring fresh water in there. Every single day, there's this flow of water going into the glass. But on day five, all of a sudden, you start the yucky stuff coming out again. You skip a day and you forget to do the fresh water that day. So then what do you think happens? You have to start all over again. Now you got this yucky glass again full of yucky stuff, right? That's what he's saying about doing the positive flow every day for 40 days until it just becomes so habitual. It becomes your way of being and you're no longer flowing yucky stuff. So step one is to establish a specific start date and mark this on your calendar. Then you count forward 40 days and mark your completion date. 
Step two is to start a spiritual journal for this 40-day prosperity plan. On day one, you're going to write the following in your journal. This day, whatever date it is, I cease believing in visible money as my supply and my support, and I view the world of effect as it truly is, simply an outpicturing of my former beliefs. I believed in the power of money, therefore I surrendered my God-given power and authority to an objectified belief. I believed in the possibility of lack, thus causing a separation in consciousness from the source of my supply. I believed in mortal man and carnal conditions, and through this faith gave man and conditions power over me. I believed in the mortal illusion created by the collective consciousness of error thoughts, and in doing so, I have limited the unlimited. No more. This day, I renounce my so-called humanhood and claim my divine inheritance as a being of God. This day, I acknowledge God and only God as my substance, my supply, and my support. That is so powerful. I hope that you can hear in Kara's voice how powerful that is and how much that is in pouring of that fresh, clean water into that glass filled with dirty, yucky stuff. What this does to your inner self, and you say this every day, you write it in your journal the first day, but you actually say it and read it out loud every day of the 40 days. Step three is to read one of 10 statements of principle each day. Over the 40 days, you will actually read the 10 statements four times. We are not going to read the 10 statements right now. That will take much longer than we have to finish this podcast. We do suggest that you get a copy of the book so that you can follow this 40-day plan. It is amazing what has happened in some of the letters that people have written in, the possibilities that were opened up to them. One woman said that she was on her way to pay off the mortgage on her house within this 30-day period. And it wasn't because the mortgage was in its last final year or two and she didn't have much to pay. One man said that within 30 days of starting the program, he paid off $5,000 on the note of his car at the bank. And he said he didn't have the $5,000 when he started this plan at all. It's very, very interesting how this comes about. And it has so much to do with how you're conditioning your inner. Kira's example of pouring the fresh water into that dirty water glass is so prescient because it's exactly what you're doing to your soul. You're washing out all of these crazy ideas in your conscious mind. Your conscious mind being the glass and the generator of all that dirty water. And so you're pouring in from your subconscious mind and your soul mind and cleaning out the conscious mind. Many other wonderful things will happen along the way as well. Now, you're not going to just write down the statement. You're going to actually meditate on it for about 15 or 20 minutes on the day that you're writing it. You're really dwelling on it, really spending some time with that statement. You're trying to feel it, especially So when he suggests that after your meditation, you do some writing in your journal, he wants to help you to catch 
the feelings that were generated that day in your meditation. He wants you to help cement those feelings into your consciousness. Exactly, he does. All of your thoughts and your concepts and ideas surrounding this sentence, he wants you to capture them and he wants it to really fill your consciousness. It's a good way to do it, writing it in your journal. And the last step is to begin to share your newfound supply with others. There are some caveats when you do this. He hates the word tithe because it implies a rote type of giving. I'm going to give you a tithe, God, and you are going to give me this back. So it's kind of like a barter system, (laughs) and it loses so much of its warmth and the givingness of giving. So he suggests that if you're going to give, and he suggests how powerful it is to give, that you do so with love and joy, and that you use a creative approach. The more creative that you are, the better. I think this is really the fun part (laughs) of the whole thing. When you recognize that you have something to give, and you can give it, and it doesn't have to be just money. As we've said, abundance comes in many different ways. Bill and I are doing some giving right now, and this feels really wonderful to be sharing all of this. And this is what we're talking about, just giving what you can give, giving whatever gift that you can share. And it just feels wonderful. It is really what we came to do, is to be of service to one another in any way that we can. Doesn't it feel wonderful when others share their gifts with you? When you turn on the television or the radio and you hear a beautiful song, or you see some great acting or anything that is being given, it enriches our lives. It really does. And so... This is what we're talking about. doesn't always have to be just money, but money can be given as well. He suggests that when you give in this creative spirit, and when it's done creatively for fun, that you simply cannot outgive God. And that is an amazing thought. I have not had that feeling in this lifetime as yet, that I cannot outgive God. It almost seems like to me oftentimes, well, this is what I set aside to give. And gee, I gave that much today, and that's all I have to give. Somebody else comes along later that night. Well, I'm sorry, you came too late. I don't have it anymore because I gave my portion that I had set aside to give. And so I'm very interested to see how this is going to develop for me because I would like to have that experience where I cannot outgive God. (laughs) I'd like you to have that experience too, Bill. And by the way, I think you are one of the most giving people that I know. You're always giving. It may not be money that you're giving, but you are always giving of yourself and your talents and whatever you can do for someone you do readily without any question. Sometimes you're actually giving your time and your presence to others to such a degree that I've actually felt jealous. And so I know what a giver you are, and I value that tremendously. I just want to say that. Well, thank you, Kira. I appreciate hearing those words. I do love to give, and I do love to support people. And I would, like I said, very much like to see what it's like to try to not be able to outgive God. One thing that I'll leave you with at the end of our podcast is that he's reminding all of us that it starts with you, yourself, first. This is not in a greedy or selfish way. It starts with you because it has to start with you. It's kind of like being in the airline and the stewardess is saying to everyone, when you're getting ready to take off, 
that when you have to put on your oxygen mask, put your own on first. And she especially wants the mothers to realize they have to put their own on first, even before their children. It doesn't help anybody if mom is busy putting it on the kids and she herself becomes unconscious because she can't get the oxygen. (laughs) She can't keep helping people if she becomes unconscious. What he's suggesting is we have to get to the point where we've developed this kind of experience And then we can all give in so many different ways that we've never been able to understand before. Yes. And that's what it's all about. That's really what life is all about, giving. Bill and I want to thank you for listening today. You can subscribe to our show by going to the iTunes podcast and just look for the Better Living Institute Book Talk podcast. Or you can also find us at our website by going to www.betterlivinginstitute.com. There you'll see all of our podcasts and our articles and our products. If you enjoyed our show today, we hope that you'll share it with your friends and family. Thanks again for being with us, and please join us again next week. For the Better Living Institute, this is Kira and Bill Van Ittersum. So long for now, everyone. <music>